In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. First, I would want to bring loving greetings from the children of God that knew we were coming up here from South Carolina, where the, where the storms of life are truly raging. And beloved, can you believe with me today that God created everything out of nothing? What a mighty, awesome God we have, beloved. And can we believe also that as great as, re, as, great as uh, creation was, when God created all the beautiful world we see out of nothing, it dims, it dims be, beside when it's compared to the work of redemption. When our Jesus had to come down, when God became man, and the only way that man could be redeemed was through the, through the work of God's Son having become man. And can we believe now that that work was so awesome, so huge, and the price that is paid for your and my redemption beyond compare. Words and, and clay lips like mine cannot begin to speak of that matters. And beloved, another matter that is going to take place shortly. Everything we see, feel, and touch. Heaven and earth shall pass away with a loud noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. What manner of men ought we to be in all holy conversation, looking for and hasting to that day? Beloved, when everything, the sun, the moon, the stars, the sky, everything is gone. Beloved, then, where is our foundation? Where is our hope? And it's not far off. Dear, dear child of God, it is close, it is very close at hand. That day that everything will, be, will disappear. Yet we, according to his promises, look for a new heavens and a new earth. If he created this world that we see, and because man fell into sin, because we fell into sin, and then he, and then he cursed everything that he had created, everything now had, had death and had an end. And he still allowed it to be that beautiful for us. Then how beautiful heaven must be when it is created for all eternity, where all the redeemed can stay and sing the songs of praise unto the, unto the, uh, uh, unto our Creator throughout all eternity. Oh, beloved, and my own heart feels this small when I begin to consider where we are and what we are and who we are and, and where are we going and what is the end of the matter. Oh, how I would cry unto God today that he would take this old flesh of mine 
this old flesh of mine that would demand. It has, it has greed. It, it would want money that with, without end. I've tried to consider that what, man, what would man think? How much money is enough? More, 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 more. And I hate the flesh. Beloved, from the new man, I hate this flesh that wants more, more, and more. And when it comes to a place like this, even, to speak before, before God's children, then I'd want pride and honor, a good sermon, a lot of praise, and I'd seek for those things. Oh, beloved, what a wretched man you have standing before you. And how many times have I stood before God's children, and I felt so empty, and I felt that I needed the blood of Jesus to cover me. So could you proclaim unto me that blessed gospel? And surely, beloved brothers and sisters, I want to believe and do believe. In the, in the warfare and the struggle of my own heart, I still find the new man that has a, has a hope. You know, when... When Elijah climbed the, when Elijah went 40 days and 40 nights after he had been raised up and eaten twice, unto the Mount of God, unto the, unto the, unto Horeb, which is the Mount of God. And there, there he came, he came before him, and Elijah felt like he was the only child of God in the world. There was no other. He felt so lonely. Beloved, how good it is that we know that there are many children of God that journey together with us. But yet, when he went into the cave and, and God was going to speak to him, he asked, God asked him, that, why are you here? And he says that your children of Israel have, have started worshiping idols and they desecrated the temple and, they, and, they, and they, are, they are worshiping these false gods. And Lord, there's only I left. Only I. And then God... God wanted to speak to him. God wanted to appear unto him. And do you remember what took place? There was, there was a mighty wind, and that wind was so strong, it said that it rent the rocks. And, 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 and when that passed by, that mighty wind, God was not in that mighty wind. And then there was an earthquake that shattered the mountain, and the earthquake, and God was not in the earthquake. earthquake. And then fire came and roared through there, and God was not in the fire. But, beloved, a still small voice spoke, and God was in that voice. Oh, beloved, may it be in your heart this morning. May that still small voice come clear unto you where your redemption lies, who it is that has paid the price of that redemption, and what a sincere, absolute hope we can have that we're going to be children of God. This morning, I had pondered, I pondered and pondered and came to, came to the place that, that was so close to my own heart. In those days when I sought God, and I, and, and I sought Him with all my heart, even with all the lusts and desires of the flesh and of youth and all that, yet I wanted to, I wanted to seek God. And you know, when I came to the services, and then when they spoke of the work of the Savior and Redeemer, how many times I cried through the whole sermon, tears flowed down my eyes. I went rejoicing that I had heard the voice of the Good Shepherd. And so this morning I would like to read, I would read just a little portion of, of, of the word where in, of his resurrection. And then may we take a journey. May you come with me. And may the Spirit lead us to where redemption was won for us. 
It's the 28th chapter in the first uh, 10 verses. I'll read it in Jesus' name. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him the keepers did shake, and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with, with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there they shall see me. Amen. Beloved, the work of redemption, though Jesus came down here and became true man, it was such that sin had been committed in the flesh, and sin had to be atoned for in the flesh. And God, looking around, saw no, no, not one that could help. And so the only way was for God to send his son. And beloved today, love is the greatest, greatest uh, of all. Love has the greatest strength of all. Love is able to accomplish the uh, impossibles, the impossible. Time and time again, love has done it. You know, love was the, what, the reason for it all. God created love because he wanted someone to love. And he created you and I and all of mankind to, so that he'd have an object to love. And love that did not demand anything in return, wanted to give, give, give. And do you know today, dear young, to every listening ear, you know what is one of the greatest joys of God, our Heavenly Father? It's this, that he can forgive your sins. Imagine that. He can come and exchange your sins for eternal life. The greatest joy of the Heavenly Father is that. And so when he saw that no one could help, then the Father and the Son had, had already in heaven. It went before, before we even know what took place. There the son, the son had agreed that he would redeem man. And the Father wanted him to come down and do that redemption. And the matter was this great, beloved, that God was going to punish his Son for every sin that any man, any, all humans have ever committed upon the face of this earth. Talk about love. Why would the Father do it? Have you ever, dear child of God, have you ever wondered in your own heart, why, why did God choose me? Why am I one of the fortunate to be in living Christianity with a living hope of eternal life? You know what? Love didn't need a reason. Love, love, because he wanted to love you. And he wanted that he could, that he could spread out his, his love and his, and his goodness to, the, to all those that would believe upon him. Oh, how beautiful heaven is going to be, beloved, when God comes and gives us all the treasures of heaven. You know, we're adopted children. 
And it was a precious matter when our two daughters adopted the ch children in, in Russia. It opened unto me what great, how great a matter adoption is. Because those children, when they entered Marcy and Janie's arms, they were theirs forever. They were just as much loved as any biolog biological child, or maybe even more so, and deserved everything that the biological children deserve. Do you understand what we're saying when we look at that spiritually? When God the Heavenly Father sent His Son down here, the Son, and, and He redeemed us, and the Father imputed the work of the Son into our hearts, and through that we are adopted children just as much as Jesus himself is. Oh, does that fit your heart this morning. Oh, it ought to raise our hearts in thanksgiving and praise. In the 146th, 147th, 148th, 149th, 150th Psalms, they all begin with praise the Lord. And I looked there just a little bit ago. How many times it exhorts us to praise the Lord. We have reason to praise the Lord. And so then he sent his son down here and Jesus came, the little baby in the manger, and we all know the beautiful story. He lived a life, a perfect life uh, uh, under his, his parents. And at 30 years old began the work of redemption. Chose the 12 disciples and one of them was a betrayer. And then, and then, he's, then he taught them for three, three and a half years. And then, beloved, on that last Sunday that he came down, uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, Sunday that he came down the, the Mount of Olives into, into the city, and he drove out the, the money changers out of the temple. And you know what it says there? It says the children were singing praises unto him. And the, and the elders said that, uh, told Jesus to, to don't allow them to, to make that noise. They were singing hosannas to him. And the, the Jesus answered and said, if they do not praise me, then the stones will praise me. Beloved, I believe we the Gentiles are those stony hearts. They were the ones that have started to praise him when, when his own, own received him not. And how beautiful in a precious matter it is unto, unto you and I. And from that week it went to the night that they, they ate the Last Supper. And the Last Supper was that they, they were remembering the, the Passover lamb from when, when all the firstborn were slain in, in Egypt. And it was now that celebration where Jesus himself, the perfect lamb of God, was slain for our sakes. Well, then... Then anyway, after, after having that last supper and washing the feet of the disciples and giving the, his body and his blood, the bread and the wine as his body and blood, they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Beloved, it is in the Garden of Gethsemane that the mighty work of redemption began. He went there and he asked his disciples to pray with him. He took Peter, James, and John even a little closer and said, now pray with me. And I want to tell you that you should remember that Jesus was true man. And he longed. He longed for some comfort. He longed for some that the others might pray with him. For my uh, horrid was that which he was to partake of. And then when the cup of of God's wrath against your sin and my sin was placed in him. And he looked into that cup 
and he said, uh, and he began to cry out, began to cry out at the Father, if this cup be, can this cup be taken away from me? Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done, he prayed. The word of God tells us that he fell on the ground, and, and the a prophet says that he, was, he cries out, I am a worm and not a man. And, and, the, and, the, and the evangelist tells us that, that he sweat, uh, uh, sweat and, and his, his sweat came as great drops of blood from him. And he came to three times to, the, to awaken the, the disciples to pray with him, and they couldn't be with him. Beloved, I want you to know that the Son of God paid the price alone. There was no help. That's true that the God sent the angel down there in the, in, the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He sent the angel down to strengthen him because now our, our Savior knew there was no other way, but he had to do it and do it alone. And there's where, where the sins of the whole world were pressed upon him. And your and my sin. The elders have said that it was such that there was no other sin. Sinner upon the face of the earth because Jesus took it all and was going to and was paying the price of that redemption for all of us. And from there when they came, when they came to take him, take our Savior. Judas had betrayed him, and now they came to take him. And they, Jesus asked, At whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am he. And all those, all those that came to take him felt, went backwards and fell on the ground. They, they, were, they were so mighty was the, word, was, was the words of our Savior and Redeemer. And then even uh, Peter took a sword and cut the uh, high priest's ear off. Because remember, Peter had promised, I'll go to death for you. And Peter would have gladly gone to natural death for him. But now the spiritual warfare that you and I cannot, we cannot hardly compare, com uh, understand. As the brother spoke before me, that, that we war against the threefold enemy, the devil, the world, and our own flesh. It is a spiritual warfare. It is an in, it's a personal warfare. Eternal life, beloved, is very, very personal and individual. And, and oh, how beautiful it is, a matter it is, that we as the flock of God's children can journey here together. But when we come to the bridgeless river of death, that the river of Jordan is, is, is so often pictured, and we have to cross the river, and we have no man to be with us. Oh, how beautiful when the Savior and Redeemer is there and gently carries the saint across the bridgeless river of death unto eternal life. Oh, how many times I've heard and remembered the words of, and spoken the words of, of Bessamah. He said that when the worst enemy that we have and that's death. The very worst enemy for all of living is death itself, which is a separation for us human beings when, when the body is separated from the soul. But when that terrible enemy has become the most beautiful and pleasant servant, that when that death has to tenderly take us and open the door unto eternal life, Oh, what a huge change has taken place in the work of the Savior and Redeemer. And now, as we, as we re recall, he, he now he tells, the, he tells the, the soldiers that came to get him that, if you want me, take me and let the rest of these go. And they went. And now he goes, they take him to the uh, palace of the high priest. 
a court is set up at the palace of the high priest. And they have already, ahead of time, they knew they were going to keep this court. And they had all these false witnesses there ready to testify, testify against Jesus. And now Jesus is brought before them, and they question him, and they question him. And he does not answer a word. I have thought this. But if our Savior defended himself, if he would say, look, it was all these people's fault, it wasn't mine, he took it all. He took it every bit, and had he, had he defended himself, then salvation would have not been, would not, would be lost. But he bore it all, because he, he was, because he was the one that was going to be able to bear it all. And then last of all, then they ask him, they tell him, I, I adjure thee, tell me by the living God, are you the Christ or not? And basically Jesus says, I am. And then they, they rent their garments and they, they said, what other witnesses do we have? Because the witness, false witnesses were not able to testify right uh, so that he would be guilty. But now they, they all heard him say that he was, and now they said he is worthy of death. And then, beloved, then they took... The servants began to spit upon him. They, they, they took and covered his face and slapped him and smote him. And they asked, guess who did it? Beloved, you, you and I, when we look at that matter, you and I would say, well, I'd never do that. This wretched, this poor man beaten and smitten already and, and doesn't open his mouth to defend himself that we wouldn't be hitting him, spitting upon him. Oh, in Pilate's judgment, all the beating they gave him. Beloved, we were there. Our sins, they were the servants of our sins that were there. And that's the reason that we all are, are guilty of the blood of Jesus. That's the reason that we all called crucify him, crucify him. And beloved, the huge matter is this is this. You know that we never, even, even in the natural way, way, you can never eat that which is living. First it must be slain, and then the blood is taken out of it, and then, then we can take and, and cook it and eat it. And beloved, for our Savior and Redeemer, how beautiful it is that we know we did it. We have crucified him. We have caused his death. And beloved, we have wept and cried about it and repented about it. And, and But yet we realize that we are the ones that have done it. And you know what? We are the ones that can eat of him and live forever. So strange is the, is the mystery of redemption. And so beautiful a matter it is unto, unto us, his children. So now they, they take, and they can't wait for the morning because this took place in the early, early dark hours. And they take Jesus to Pilate's judgment hall. And there Pilate, the most wretched man that probably ever lived, because he knew that this was an innocent man, and because of jealousy and envy, they were going to, they were going to, uh, they were going to cause his death. He tried to free him. Last of all, he washed his hands and says, I'm free of the blood of this man. He wasn't. But they remember what the Jews cried out. They cried out, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. And what a, what a terrible curse they cast upon him. But may God in his mercy, even in these last moments of time, yet allow those that were the natural chosen to, to be redeemed and become his children. So in Pilate's judgment hall now, after they had, after they had gone through the mock trial there, and, and, then, and they decided, and uh, Pilate then consented 
that they would let Barabbas go, the murderer and the robber. They'd let him go, and we will take Jesus. He asked them, what would, what do you, what, what, what would you that I would do? And they said, crucify him. Beloved, again, you and I are crying out. It is our sins and all the misdeeds and all the corruption that we've lived in. It was that that was crying out, crucify him, crucify him. But blessed is the one that knows and realizes that he has crucified the Savior. And so in Pilate's judgment hall, they put the purple robe upon him. They take and, and they put a reed in his hand. They take and put a crown of thorns on his head. And they even hit him up, up on the head. And I, I can picture in the natural way, we picture all of life in the natural way, that when they hit him on the head, the thorns went deeper into his, into his holy brow. But not a word, not a word defending himself. The Old Testament says that he was, his back was beaten so that, what, that the bones showed our Savior, our Redeemer, our only hope. And there, there it was then that they finally took him and they said that now, now they, take, uh, they take and they, they place a, a, the cross upon him and off to the hill of Golgotha now he's going to go where the work of redemption is finished. Beloved, where the enemy of the soul was waiting with his hordes of hell, all the, all the devils that there were, we're there on that mountain now. That here now we're going to win a great victory. We're going to slay this, this son of God. And now they bring him. And on the way up there, he does, he does speak to the, to the women that were weeping. They were weeping because in compassion of the great beating he had done. And he told them, don't weep for me. But weep for your, your, you and your children. You remember when he came down the Mount of Olives? And on the way down, I believe he paused on the way down, and he looked at Jerusalem and he said, How often I would have gathered you, as a mother hen gathers her little chicks under her wings, but you didn't want to. You did not want to. Oh, blessed are the ones that want to be. Under the mighty wings of the good shepherd, under the mighty wings of the mother hen that wanted to take them and protect them unto eternal life. And so now he goes up the hill and the, the weight of the cross. He was man, and the weight of the cross must have been so heavy. And being some, uh, sh having shed so much blood already and beaten and smitten that he, they took a, a Simon, a Cyrenian, and they, they had him bear either the cross or at least the, li the lighter end of the cross. And so, so they went up the hill of Golgotha, to the final battle that has the major battle that has ever been fought or will be fought there is no other battle that will be fought like was fought on that on that fateful day and then they take and they raise him they raise our savior and redeemer on the cross they've nailed his hands to the crossbars they've nailed his feet to the to the post that holds him up and they raise him between heaven and earth there the creator of everything the creator of everything that we see, feel, and touch. The creator of the ones that were, were crucifying him. There, he's, there, he's, there he's, he is all alone. Beloved and on the cross, not even the angels could come and help him. He was alone. And mighty was the warfare that took place. There was a lot of mockery. There was a lot of, a lot of, 
uh, of offering vinegar to drink that he did not want to drink. There was a lot of beautiful things that the Savior did. He pointed to John and, and, and to his mother and he said, he said to, the, to John that Jesus is natural mother Mary, that, that now it's going to be your mother, like an adoption. And then the other way around that, that, uh, Jesus, that, that the uh, uh, mother was going to be, that John was going to be the son to, to Mary. And from that day on, the word tells us, John took Mary, the mother of Jesus, into her own home. And he, he tended to all the little matters, all the, all the tender little matters like that. And then the word of God says, in their mockery and in, their, in all the things that they spoke there upon the, upon the, uh, the hill of Golgotha, they, there was, and, and finally the word tells us that there was darkness for three hours. Now, beloved, creation, and I believe that creation, the trees, the flowers, and everything that we have, glorify and praise our God. And all, the, all of creation praises our God. And now, the word tells us that there was absolute darkness. And the historian says, silence. They had a lot of things had taken place. They had taken the garments of, of Jesus and the, and the soldiers had cast lots for him because he's not going to need him anymore. And remember the robe that the robe was woven from top to bottom, so so they didn't they weren't able to split that because if they had cut it, it would have uh, it would have unraveled and been no good. And they cast lots. I've wondered I've wondered sometimes that did the one that the lot, that received the lot did he attain eternal life? Or what was the significance of it? But anyway, one one took the took the uh, robe, and the rest were left left rest uh, divided whatever he had for clothes. And now, now comes the great and final battle. Now, now when heaven, when all the earth is dark, and all of a sudden Jesus begins to cry out in the darkness, and his last words, we, he cry, cries out, "My God, my God." Why hast thou forsaken me? And the word of God tells us that there was an earthquake. And, the, and, the, and the, uh, uh, the, it says the rocks were rent in two. And the veil of the temple was divided in, in half. And there the Savior gave up his life all alone, beloved. Alone he paid the price. When you sing the song alone, consider how it was alone. And then I want you to think and consider this. It was for you. And I would wish that we could all believe so firmly today that if I were the only man on earth, or if I was the only one that would be redeemed out of this earth, Jesus came, would come for me. Beloved, I am sure of it. That's love. That's the love of God towards you and I. That, that he would come and redeem you and I. And so now when he cries out, when he cries out on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know, there are three deaths, and, not, and those three deaths are all a separation and not non-existence. When the soul is separated from the body, that's natural death. When the spirit is separated from the soul because of sin, that's spiritual death. When the soul is separated from God forever, that's eternal death. That's what our Savior did for you and I. 
he cried out. He experienced, beloved, for you and I, that we would never have to experience eternal death when he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And now even the soldiers, uh, even the soldiers of centurions said that, that surely this was the Son of God. They, they believed that surely it was. And now Jesus, for three separate days, he was in the, not total days, but three different days, he lied in the, in the, in the tomb. Remember that, that what, what took place there was that, they, that uh, uh, this uh, Joseph of Arimathea came and begged the body of Jesus. And in this life, Jesus had not where to lay his head. He never owned a home. He never owned a bed. He, in, in, the, in the word of God, uh, the final resting place for him on this earth was when he rested his head on his own shoulder having paid the price of redemption. And so, so Jesus had not owned anything, and now, jo, jo, uh, now he's placed in the grave with the rich. Joseph was a rich man. I don't know if he was a believer, but I'd like to believe he was. That he, was a, he believed in Jesus, and he took him and placed him in his own tomb there. But you know what? He only borrowed it for a short period of time. It was not long. And beloved, when you're, if you live and if this world stands, and you're, and we we are loaned into the in the loaned a casket as it was because nobody owns nothing in the bowels of the earth. It's only going to be for a short time, because we will arise like Jesus arose. But he, and here it says, and behold, there was a a, a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door. The disciples didn't remember that Jesus said he's going to rise again on the third day. All his enemies remembered it. And so they had said that, well, they came to uh, Pilate and they said that we remember that this deceiver said he's going to rise on the third day. And, and therefore, make sure, uh, place guards around it, do what you want. And, and uh, Pilate told them, told them, you have your own soldiers, you have your own, own, make it as safe as you can. Go ahead and make it as safe as you can. But when that earthquake took place, I'm sure those soldiers fell down as dead men. And, and the angel, it says the angel came down and rolled away the stone. And, his, and it says then that his countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear... For fear of the of the keepers did shake and became as dead men. So here's where Mary Mary Magdalene and the the other Mary came. Do you remember who Mary Magdalene was? She was the one that they drove seven devils out of. Her love went and love is this love is such that true love has no end. Love will continue. You realize, beloved, that love goes to the other side of the bridgeless river of death. Love will be in, in eternity. But faith and hope are left up on this side. And now Mary, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, their love towards their Savior did not end when he died. They wanted to come and serve him, even in death. And they came here to the grave now. And this is what they saw. And then the angel... And then the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come and see the place where the Lord lay. 
and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy, and did run to bring to his disciples the word. Can, you, can we picture, when we've seen the Savior there on the, on the cross, We've seen him when they've nailed up, uh, nailed the, uh, the nails into him, and we see him then when he, when the soldiers came to break his legs, and and they didn't break his legs because he's already died, and the Roman soldier took a sword and pierced his heart, and the word says that blood flowed out, and last of all water, water flowed out, signifying that all the blood had flown out, and there, and then now to have him, have put him in the grave and to come there and say he is risen. Beloved, there isn't a greater victory in all the world. What can we, what can we say of that? What, how can we explain to our hearts that are so slow to believe that it was for me, it was for you, that he arose again? Paul speaks very plainly of it, that if he had not risen again, then we would not have had any hope. But he did rise again. And now he rose victorious over death, hell, and the devil. He had conquered all. And the enemy of the soul was certainly, must have been horrified when the Son of God arose again from the dead. I do not believe that he knew this would take place. That this would take place when in, when in all their, in all their uh, uh, fury they attacked him there upon the cross of Golgotha. It's an amazing matter to consider that it was always, it seemed like everything was taken. Like we would say in the natural way, he was defeated in everything. Jesus took all the smiting, all the abuse, took everything and didn't, didn't defend himself and allowed himself to be crucified and, and to take his life away from him. And that was the victory. Oh, beloved, that we could understand what that really means. It meant that we have eternal life. That's the reason for it all, that, that we could believe today that as he rose again from the dead, we will arise again from the dead. The Word of God says that he, he rose from the dead by the mighty power of the Spirit of God. And there he rose to, he rose victorious over everything. And that victory is yours and is mine. Oh, that we could just turn our hearts even this day, and our thoughts to heaven. I would tell you that remember, remember this exhortation as long as you live. If in the night you are not able to sleep, if you lie down restless in the bed, and, and you wonder, you wonder that, that you'd like to sleep, oh, beloved, then remember that it's a great time. It's a good time to talk with your Savior and Redeemer. I know in the darkness of the night, I know, dear young, I know what it is I remember in, the, in my journey in youth, that it was in the darkness of the night that real fear came upon the heart, when you'd wonder that, well, this is my life and this is what I've done, and, and I, if Jesus should come or if I should die suddenly, would I be saved? Oh, how I would want to exhort every one of you. I have a statement that I've made love late, and I, I believe it's so correct that I want to make it over and over again. I promise everyone and every listening ear, tomorrow you will not be better. You will not be better. 
You know, Brother spoke how, how completely it is in, in, the, in, in the work of another and nothing that man can do for salvation. That's an absolute fact. There is nothing we can do except be a beggar of grace. And nobody wants to be a beggar. You know that the world would take and it did work from the cradle to the grave from morning till night to attain eternal life. But to believe just as you are today, as you sit there, with all the onslaughts of the enemy of the soul, with the thousand of bad and evil thoughts that you might have, or hundreds that you might have had as you sit there, you have every right to believe that you're a child of God and heaven bound. Oh, what a beautiful gospel. You can believe in Jesus' name and his precious reconciling blood that I'm free, I'm a free child of God. Listen carefully. This, this is such a beautiful, beautiful grace that we can believe. But now if there's something in, in your heart or bosom that bothers you, that is a hindrance to you, that you can't, it's, it's something like that, well, I have a little doubt about this. I remember Papa saying that, that he, he repented of, of being so uh, light-minded. And he just said that, well, you know, it bothered him. And, and he just didn't want to kind of leave his, uh, his, uh, his uh, soul like on, on an auction block. He wanted that people would know that he's been, this has been my warfare. I've had to believe over these things. Can you, can you proclaim them forgiven? And I've found, and I believe that every child of God here has found, that when we've fallen into deep sin, the sins that, that, that we believe that, that would destroy a soul, when we're not able to believe over them without confession and absolution. And how precious that place is in God's Word, where, where Walter spoke that, that uh, they, they, Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And it first says, Peace be unto you. That's what God desires for every, every heart. Peace be unto you. And then he said, As my Father sent me, even so send I you. And he says, Receive ye, breathes on them then and says, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye forgive, to them they're forgiven. And whosoever sins ye retain, to them they are retained. So, beloved, in these last moments of time, let us walk carefully. Let us keep a tender conscience. Oh, what a precious word it was unto me when uh, the elder, and he was so much older than me, elder brother Sacrison told me, he says, young man, God loves a tender conscience. It was so comforting to, to know that, yes, to, that God does truly love the tender conscience. So those matters then that, you, that bother you, that you are not able to believe, then go seek a brother or sister, father or mother, and, and confess and acknowledge where you've stumbled and fallen. Do not deny your faith. As dear young, that's the lot. Do not do it. Do not do it. Do not deny your faith. Put away the sin. Absolutely put away the sin. And I know that in youth, I know for sure that many of you have those obstacles that, that you're having a, a real problem believing over them. Just go. You know, in the, in the night times when you can't sleep, ask God for the strength to go put them away. Because so precious is the gospel. And I believe that in this living Christianity, we apply the blood of Jesus through the mighty power of the word. The word is that which uh, applies the blood. And so how, then when we go and come confess and we hear it forgiven in Jesus' name and his precious reconciling blood, then boldly believe that it's so. And you know what is a huge part of our, of our life? Let your life and my life 
be a life of prayer. I do believe because the word of God says that Jesus says that when thou prayest, go in the closet, shut the door, pray in secret, and God will reward you openly. I believe that, the, the, and I do not mean at all that, that you, praying in unison with the whole flock of God is, is absolutely right. But the reason I say this is this is the place that you can pray so freely. This is the place where you can pray so often in the, in the, in the depths of your heart. You can cry out unto God. You know, as you sit there, let your sighs and groans cry out unto God. You know, in, in the Old Testament, I believe it's testified of Moses, that his groans came as a shout before God. So will yours, dear brother, sister. He knows your heart. He knows the intent and thought of your heart. And may this be your desire. Advocated to everyone. That when God looks down, we can say with the, with the, the psalmist David that, Search me and try me and, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. That we, God would search us and try us. And when he looks down, he says, I want to be a child of God. I want that more than life. I want that more than breath. I want that above everything. I want life eternal and ask God for it. I do not know in these last moments of time, dear young, dear old, that you can ask for anything more precious then that God would grant us eternal life. And then when that last day dawns and we rise again from the grave, the word of God promises that, that, the, that Jesus is going to call everyone out of the grave by name. And we're going to rise with the mighty power of the Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. We will rise with a new body, liken unto the glorious body of Jesus. I want you to ponder and think what it's like when the, there's the absence of all fear, where no worries, no concerns, the victory is won. Oh, how many dear, times, dear child of God, we ponder and wonder, and, and we even get these feelings that, well, that will I make it? Will I make it? Will I make it? The, 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 the warfare is so strong, and my temptations are so strong. But when that day dawns, the victory is forever. What a victory to live forever without sickness, without sorrow, without pain, without all the, all the beauty of heaven. I just, like to, I just like to talk about it. Streets paved out of gold, walls of jasper, every color of the rainbow, gates of pearl, and there, our Savior and Redeemer, our Jesus. Do you want to meet Jesus, first of all? Do you want to walk with him and talk with him? Do you have a longing for the saints that have gone on before? Oh, may God grant everyone, and most of you have, and someone in your family or a loved one that is, is, a, is a, in heaven above. May that cause you, may it be a strong anchor that you want to one day see them. Unto that end, may God bless each and every one we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. The Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. This afternoon there will be the reception for... Jeremy and Jessica Sepp.
7.30. And after that service, there will be a congregational meeting. We'll discuss uh, Christmas and Easter services. So we invite many to attend and have a voice in deciding those matters. Next Sunday, there will be Sunday school at 9.30, a communion service after at 10.30, and an evening service next Sunday at 7. In closing this morning, we'll sing song 572, and during the singing of this song, we'll carry a free will offering for the benefit of the church.